Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, it is just a few days before Christmas. It is whatever we're calling this winter storm polar vortex something. Yeah, in your neck of the woods, yes, yes. Something bomb. Yeah, yeah. Moving through, I guess, yeah. But uh, yeah, we uh, woke up this morning at, uh, it was like 29, and it's just been dropping every yeah. minute, so now it's below freezing, uh, or I mean below zero. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> below freezing. It's been below freezing. <laughs> I was going to say, I think now. it started there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's now well below, it sounds like. Yeah. But uh, hey, you know. It's warm inside, and that's where I'll be to watch college football for the next. Uh, that is true. That is true. It's it's starting to kind of you know bowl season gets gets underway early now, and it's a it's a slow rollout, but we're we're starting to get some you know Baylor's on tonight, Wake Forest tomorrow, some some you know Power Five teams in action, and then yeah, nine days, and we'll we'll have our playoff games. Yeah, usually I start watching. The bowls once ASU's bowl happens, right? But since there is, if you no waited bowl, for that. You miss them all this year. Yeah. yeah, I'll probably start tuning in more. I have, uh, I have the NFL game on now, but that's you know neither here nor there. I, sure, I can sure. Around, no, I, you know, and these games are a little tough to get into. It it kind of picks up next, you know. Wednesday, Thursday, the the Holiday Bowl, the Oregon and Carolina, Florida State, Oklahoma, I believe is next Thursday. Uh, you know, some some decent mid tier bowl games, and then uh, you know uh, they they you know the New Year's Eve with the Sugar Bowl, unexpectedly a pretty good game with Alabama, K State, Alabama, no opt outs, so could be an interesting game, and and then the playoff games after that. So that that's that's the big day probably. Yeah, well, let's let's not beat around the bush on the playoffs. So you've got Michigan TCU at the Fiesta Bowl, followed by Georgia Ohio State at the Peach Bowl. Um, look, Georgia getting to play in Atlanta—that's what you—that's what the one seed should get. You know? Sure, sure. They, you know, they they obviously pick a good year to be the one seed. Um, you know, all along I figured if the you know, the SEC champion provided it was a, you know, a playoff team uh, was likely to end up, uh, you know, in the Peach Bowl. That's a great, you know, home field and, and certainly for Georgia even more so. You know, and that said, like Ohio State indoors, um, you know, climate controlled environment where they can get those wide receivers running. And like, that's not a bad draw for Ohio State. Crowd wise it is, but. I, you know, I thought all along, like, if Ohio State got in the playoff and you could tell me you got two games where there's no adverse weather conditions for their passing offense, you know, that, that could be dangerous. And, and they got it. So we'll see. Yeah. So to be clear, Saturday the 31st, you've got Dome Stadium, Dome Stadium. And then on the 9th, it's the SoFi. Quasi-Dome Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for the final. Yeah. I mean, certainly... There won't be, uh, you know, it's it's open air on the sides, but uh, you know, you won't have wind, you won't have rain, um, you know, it's it's a pretty pretty controlled environment. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, I mean, I guess it's what you want. Uh, you know, you're mentioning the weather right now, and and I'm thinking like, uh, you know, what it is right now in the Midwest, and in a couple of years, 
we could be potentially having home playoff games at, you know, Michigan or Ohio State or places like that. And that will be interesting. You know, we've never had that in the college football postseason where weather has really been a big factor. It's going to be soon, probably. But, you know, for this year and next, we, we still get those controlled environments, perfect weather for the most part. And, and uh, you know, no excuses. No, you know, well, it was a sloppy game. Like, no, you know, good conditions and we'll see who the best team is. Yeah. Well, let's let's start with the Fiesta Bowl. Um, <laughs> yep. I assume that you have done a lot of due diligence on this uh, because it is in your backyard. But it is, it is. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna be there. Uh, my dad and I are going, so uh, you know, should be should be fun to see. And yeah, it'll be an interesting game. Yeah, it, it's you know, if you are not a fan of any of the teams, I think you pick TCU, right? Like that's there. They're the smallest school. They're the little sure. one that could as a sure. program. Like, you know, and you get a good story with the head coach. It, it's it's a good team to root for. But Michigan has just been a machine. Now, injuries have bit them. A little the bit, a the little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Blake Corum out now, obviously. Uh, that's that's big. But they won the last two games, essentially, without mm-hmm. him. So, um, you know, and, and they get it obviously plenty of, of practice time and game planning time. And, you know, like, uh, it's, it's interesting, but, um, yeah, you know, on the TCU subject, I was thinking about this and it's kind of like maybe not gotten enough notice, but far and away, aren't they the most like surprising team to make the playoffs since the 14 playoffs started given the preseason expectation? I mean, I think it's them or Cincinnati. A year ago, but, I mean, and I thought about Cincinnati, but like people had Cincinnati on the radar, like they they'd been undefeated the year before. They, yeah. you know, like it was it was somewhat far fetched, but it was like, well, hey, if they go undefeated, they're going to have a shot. I mean, TCU was picked like in the bottom half of the Big Twelve this year preseason. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, like I I know Stuart Mandel on the Athletic picked them to go four and eight preseason, and like for them to be in the playoff and go twelve and zero through the regular season is, uh, you know, they've been really good, obviously, in the recent past, Gary Patterson teams, and, you know, it's not like they've not had good teams, but, you know, given the expectation coming into the year and where they are, I mean, I know the playoffs about to expand, and so that'll go out the window, but the notion that, like, well, you got to be among the preseason, you know, top 10 to make the playoff, they kind of punctured that, because they were nowhere near that. Oh, absolutely. And it's... It's funny, you know, this is John Wilner on signing day mentioned this talking about Utah and Oregon State. Everyone gets wrapped up in in class rankings and player rankings, mm-hmm. but some of it is fit and TCU is all about fit. Like sure. they, they just it all seemed to click <laughs> and work this year, you know. Yeah, yeah, and they had a you know, they had kind of a magic carpet ride through October especially, you know, every game was was close and they could have lost you know just about any of them and they won all of them and and you know then it starts to build on itself and you have these comebacks and you know the the game winning kick against Baylor you know last play as the clock is ticking down no timeouts you got to rush the field goal team on and you know guy goes out and just drills it mm-hmm. and and so i say all that to say does the loss in the Big 12 title game puncture that like, they made the playoff, but now there's that, like, hey, maybe we're not always going to be able to pull a rabbit out of our hat. Yeah. 
it, it feels to me like a team that is going to need to to lead early um, in this game. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because you, you don't want doubt to creep in. Which hasn't been their MO. You know, they've, they've been, I mean, they were down, they were down most of the game to K-State in the Big 12 title game. They were down, you know, 28-10 to K-State in the regular season, came back to win. Uh, you know, they were down in the, in the third quarter to Texas Tech. They were down to uh, Kansas in the third quarter, fourth quarter. You know, like a lot of games were up for grabs. And Michigan is such a good second half team. That's the one thing, like, I saw it in the game. I saw Michigan play. They certainly did it against Ohio State. They did it in the Big Ten title game. Like they, they just turn on the afterburners in the second half. It feels like, I mean, it you know feels like they're very comfortable going to the locker room at you know fourteen ten, and then they just come out and beat you up in the second half. Yeah, well, their offensive line has just been mauling people. Their, yeah. their ground game yeah. has been fantastic all year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a really good defense, like, it, you know, like, they've had it, I mean, I think of the Penn State game, Ohio State, Rutgers, they were, I believe they were down to Rutgers at the half, and then, like, scored 35 unanswered in the third quarter, I, I mean, they they are really good as the game wears along, that physicality seems like it takes a toll, and I kind of expect it to be that time, I think it'll be close at the half, I, you know, I think TCU plays a lot of close games, I think it could be a, you know, a tie game or around there at the half. And then I think Michigan just turns it on and, and is just the better team. Yeah. Certainly feels consistent with how they've played these two teams. It, it does. It does. Yeah. I mean, and I, again, I just, I don't know if, if there's, you know, that, that little bit of now with TCU where, you know, now that you've lost one of those games and now does it sort of creep in like, well, we can't, Oh, I mean, yeah, they came back and they forced OT and it wasn't like they got beat up, you know, convincingly in the Big 12 title game. If they had, they might not be in this game. Um, but still, you know, when the, when the magic runs out, now you have time to, you know, sit on it a bit. And you, you know, you lose that week-to-week feel. I feel like Michigan's just the better team. They, you know, better defense, uh, better running game. Just just feels like it's it's their game. So I I know you pretty well, and you when we started talking, you mentioned Ohio State indoors, exciting team. Are you are you thinking Ohio State over Georgia? Are you leaning that way? No, I'm not. But I'm I'm not. Like I feel like there's a presumption that you know Georgia's going to win. You know Georgia's going to roll. There, you know. And I think they probably will. I, I mean, if I if we're making picks and we are, I'm going to pick Georgia. But I do, you know, couple. I mean, it's it's that, and it's also like, you know, Ohio, or not Ohio State, LSU. You know, threw for 500 plus yards on them in the in the SEC title game. Now, some of that was garbage time. You know, Georgia was up 28 to seven or whatever it was, and I think it was 35 seven. And, and so you start throwing all over and Georgia plays some prevent and they take some guys out and I get it. You know, those numbers are a bit inflated, but even on the way to 35, seven, they were having success throwing the ball. And, you know, like the LSU passing game ain't nearly as good as the Ohio state passing game over the course of the year. So do I think there's a, you know, potential for them to get rolling? 
yeah, I, I mean, it, it's one of those, I guess I'm playing both sides of the fence. You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm picking Georgia, but I'm also laying the groundwork to say I told you. So you can correctly accuse me of that, uh, you know. But no, ultimately, I'll pick Georgia. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I could feel it, it felt like you had a lack of conviction on Georgia one seed rolling. I do, I do, know. because I think Ohio State, like, the thing that gets me is this. If you told me you're going to get Ohio State of weeks, you know, two through seven, I'd say not only, you know, can they beat Georgia, they could win the whole thing. But if you tell me you're going to get Ohio State from after their bye week, then no, I'm, I'm, I think Georgia beats them soundly. So, it's like, which one am I going to get with four weeks, five weeks off for them? They didn't play the Big Ten title game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, presumably healthier, although not as much as I thought, maybe. I mean, you know, like, when they got in, you thought, well, boy, if they get Smith and Jigba back and Travion Henderson back, they're not getting either one. Both are both are out. Henderson had surgery. Smith and Jigba, you know, says he's going to, you know, rehab, rehab the, the muscle. And, and, you know, he's it's obvious that injury was just not well managed over the course of the year because he kept, like, yeah. coming back and then getting hurt again. And so neither one's playing. So you think, like, well, all right, are they that much better than they were at the end of the season? I don't know. But, man, that, you know, Stroud is one of those guys, and I don't know how much of it, how much of him you've watched, where, like, when he's in rhythm, he's really freaking good. But when anything is off schedule, he doesn't seem to, he's not like Bryce Young. Like, Bryce Young seems to specialize in the, you know, everything's going to hell, I'm going to make something happen. Stroud is more the, I got good protection, my receivers are getting open, the weather's good, everything's good, I'm going to tear you apart. But if anything goes wrong, eh, I'm not as I'm not as good. Yeah, Stroud is a guy who, when his fifth step touches down and the ball comes out, everything's good. But yeah, if yeah. there's good coverage and the pocket starts shifting on him, you know, guys around his feet or whatever, it, yes, he yes, he, he he's has not, a palpable discomfort. I guess yes, and he's know? not a willing runner. He can run, but he doesn't seem willing to. So he doesn't create that, like, you know, okay, you know, you blitz him, and boy, he takes off and gets 20 yards. He doesn't get that much. He, You know, I read a comparison for him, and I thought it was dead on, of, of Jared Goff. Like, Jared Goff is very similar in that, like, when things are good, he's pretty good. He can pick you apart. He can put the ball anywhere it needs to be. He's got the arm strength. He's got the accuracy. But, you know, if you get Jared Goff a little riled, then he's not very good. And, and that kind of seems like Stroud to me. Like, if, if you blitz him and you're getting pressure and he just doesn't seem like he can hurt you unless it's all going well. And Georgia, their specialty is, you know, defense and making life difficult on the opponent. I mean, they, they've had Hendon Hooker, his worst game by far this year. So it just feels like as much as they struggled against the pass against LSU, don't you figure, you know, Kirby Smart's been hammering that for the last, you know, four weeks. Like, oh, you I know, mean, uh, sure you, you can't stop the done. pass. Yeah, I'm sure it's all they've done is, you know, so I, I that's why I'm picking Georgia, because I feel like, you know, I thought Tennessee would beat them. We talked about that that week. Tennessee had the high flying passing game. And it was like, man, that's a little bit of a weakness for Georgia. And then it was not a weakness in that game. And, and so I guess I kind of feel like we're going to see the same type thing. Yeah. It'll be very interesting. Um, because 
I feel like Ohio State could keep it close, but uh, how do I want to put it? I I don't think Ohio State can win a runaway. I think Georgia can win in a runaway because I think that it could be the sort of th- a, a Georgia version of a runaway, like thirty-four yeah. to ten. Yeah, where they just I agree. You know, they just you know long drive touchdown. Mm-hmm. Three and out, long drive field goal, three and out, you know, touchdown. And then, okay, then they give up a touchdown drive, but it's already 17 nothing. So. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> kind of like what they did against Tennessee. I, go, I keep going, you know, like they were up 24 to three, I believe, at the half, and they ended up winning 27 13. And it was like the final score was not indicative of how dominant that game was. Mm-hmm. I could see it being that type of game. That, like, you know, and, and they did it to Michigan last year. Now, it was a, Michigan's a very different type of team than Ohio State, but that game was over in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And they they scored, they got a quick stop, they scored again. It was fourteen nothing. I was like this, this is over. Michigan cannot get back in this game, and they did not. Now Ohio State's a much more explosive offense, so I wouldn't. If it's fourteen nothing, I'm not going to think like, oh, it's over, they're done. But it just, you know, I don't know. And I mean, Georgia just has it has it rolling, and. You know, I think there's some questions about Ryan Day and the biggest of games um, and kind of where things are headed there. There's some unrest. And he can put it all to bed. Two wins, you know, two yeah. wins in 10 days. And, and he's a national champion. And especially if that second win is over Michigan and, you you know, you wipe away those last two losses and you have the ultimate, like, hey, who cares that we lost in the regular season? We beat him when it mattered most. But I trust Georgia more. Yeah, I agree. It, so I'm, I'm going with the favorites, like, ultimately. Yeah, well, and it's also, it's like the teams that have been there, done that, you know, and that's kind of why you take Michigan, because they've been to the playoff before. Right, And you take right. Georgia, because they've won it before. And yeah, you say, yeah. And we're probably going to see Michigan-Georgia. I mean, it feels like it. Is that is that your pick, too? You going with them? Yeah, I, I think... I'm not sure that you're going to see a very competitive game. Um, Is he Yeah. I just think that it's going to be TCU, you know, the clock's going to strike midnight on Cinderella. It probably did, you know, in the Big 12 title game. Yeah, it could be. It could It could be reminiscent of Alabama-Cincinnati last year, mm-hmm. where it's, it's not, like, totally out of hand. You know, as you're watching it, you feel like, well, you know, like it's only a 14 point margin. They could, you know, and that's kind of how Michigan wins games. They don't necessarily like get out and score 35 points in the first half and bury you. That's not their style. So it feels like it's going to be one of those where like probably will feel more lopsided than the score actually indicates. But it but it could be. I mean, historically, the semifinals are not usually great games. I don't know if that's just fluky. But, you know, over the, what, eight years of this so far, there haven't been very many really good semifinal games. Yeah. Georgia-Oklahoma, the Rose Bowl, went to OT. That was a great, great game, you know. And then Clemson-Ohio State here three years ago, and Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and it came came down to the wire. Those are really the only ones I remember that were, like, really good games. Yeah. I I agree. It's... It's Which I don't know what to attribute that to, but, yeah, it just, but it, it's it, been that way. And isn't part of it kind of what's supposed to happen 
in terms of especially one verse four, like Yeah. You know, one of these teams is the haves. You know? Yeah. Like there's a yeah. reason they're the one seed. True, true. Well, I mean, this is a year where the BCS would have been sufficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many years has that been the case since the playoffs started where, you know, but this is the year you have, you know, two 13-0 and 0 major conference champs, uh, you know, like you could have easily, you know, dispensed with the semifinals, potentially. Now we'll see, you know, TCU and Ohio State have a chance to, to prove me wrong and shut me up on that, but it kind of feels like this is the year where, like, we could have just had a championship game. Those have been the two best teams. You know, they've, they've beaten everybody in their way. They've passed their biggest tests. And, and you know, let's let's see. Can, can Michigan, you know, did Michigan do enough this season to, you know, close the gap on Georgia from last year's Orange Bowl? Because it was a big gap last year. You left that game thinking, yeah, Michigan's gotten a lot better, but, boy, can they really win a national title with this approach? Well, we might find out here in two and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, let's pivot to talk about, uh, signing day and ASU. I saw one rating had us with the number three transfer portal hall. Um, (laughs) well, volume certainly puts us, uh, near the top, if nothing else. And, you know, and credit where it's due. Dillingham staff had, you know, under a month. And put together a not embarrassing first class. No, agreed, agreed. And and since we've talked, you know what? Last Saturday was it Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. Mm-hmm. So four days. Uh, we added. I mean, you know, you texted me later that day that we added like four more guys, and then three more guys, and, and uh, a couple of days later we got the commitment from Drew Pine. We we discussed last time we talked that you know like. I said I was hoping we'd add another, you know, veteran quarterback to compete for the job. We did exactly that. You know, I don't think it's his job by default, but it certainly gives us a, a you know, a proven good starter. Somebody yeah, so who, got, you know. I mean, you've got Pine, Conover, and Borgay. Yeah. Um, I think Jones, among the three Ron, of them, you ben hope Collins that somebody Ford. emerges and is it is good enough to, you know, be a good starter for you. I don't think there's a Heisman contender among those three. But, you know, can you get a solid Pac-12 starter out of one of those three? I, I think so, hopefully. Well, you lose Israel Collins, or uh, is that his name? Israel Carter and Finn Collins. Oh. Israel Carter. So Finn Collins him. left. Is, is Israel Carter not signing? I, or, he I mean, is, I heard he was postponing it. He's not going to sign until February, and he's reevaluating things. Yeah, um, yeah, which I is saw, not a huge shock. No, well, I saw one report that... Dillingham had not done a home visit with him. Yeah, which, yeah. You know, I mean, he can't hit everybody. That's yeah. the thing. Well, and he like, he landed two transfer quarterbacks, including a guy who started ten games. And right, and who two. have who have multiple years of eligibility. Yeah, they Conover has two or three. Pine has three. Mm-hmm. So Conover's hard to keep track because he he's been out of high school for four years, but two of those years he wasn't in college. So. Geez, Conover might have four years left. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to keep track. But you know, you you hope that those guys can give you something, and and you go to work on the twenty twenty four high school class. I mean, I think that's that's what you should be doing. Is you get through this year with the transfers with Borgay. You ideally you find yourself a starter, not just for twenty three, but maybe also twenty four. 
mm-hmm. and you go to work on the high school class and hopefully your guy of the future is the guy you get next year. Yeah, and, and meanwhile, you've got, as we were saying, a competent signal caller. Yeah, you know, yeah. Whoever it is, I mean, you've got enough bodies in there that whoever comes out of that battle, you'll feel pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Drew Pine's an interesting one because if we were, if we were still, and I'm glad we're not, but if we were still, you know, running last year's offense that we opened the season with, you'd feel like, well, Drew Pine's probably a pretty good fit for that. That's kind of what Notre Dame did this year. Run the ball a lot, you know, throw to the tight end. Uh, wasn't explosive, but, you know, they found something. He went 8-2 and two as the starter. Um, was pretty effective. And we've got good tight ends. We do have good tight ends, you know, and he obviously had one of the best in the country in Michael Mayer. Though, the, you know, Conyers may not be that good, but... But he's pretty good. He, you know, he emerged, and uh, you know, like I don't know how Pine's going to be in an offense that seems like it is much more built for an explosive quarterback. You know, I mean, what what Dillingham has been associated with and ran at Oregon this past year is a you know the quarterbacks are he's a run threat. He's that's not really what it seems like Drew Pine is. It feels a little potentially square peg, you know, or square peg in a round hole type of deal. But maybe not, you know, I mean, maybe Pine has more in him and it just, you know, the Notre Dame offense wasn't built that way. You never know. Well, and also it could, it could well be that the blended play calling from the new offensive coordinator (coughs) plus Dillingham's offense, you, you take some pieces out and it's a lot more of the motion misdirection. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Less of a quarterback read. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's that's very possible. You know, it, it, there's so much unknown, and and I think that's the thing about like, you know, when we had when we talked last, and it was like, well, I just you know, I just wanted us to to add another piece because I just I you know I don't know about Conover uh, as you know I I said it last week. It's been so long since he's played you know significant football, and I I really I mean nothing against Borgay, but I just. I, I don't want Borquet to be the starter unless he really earns it. And I feel like now he's got two legitimate competitors. And so if he's the starter, I'll feel like, well, all right, he probably really earned it. He's probably the best guy for the job. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at in terms of the quarterback room now, right? Feels good. It, it feels, I mean, it's like you said, there's probably not a Heisman winner. It's not, Caleb Williams no. transferring in, but you look around and you say, okay, like you can, you can do something here. Yeah. That. Yeah. I think that's what we're, you know, I don't, I don't expect any of these guys to have a, a Caleb Williams or a Michael Penix or Bo Nix sort of, you know, boy, they come in and they're, you know, just lighten it up. And I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Now, who knows? Maybe, you know, Conover was pretty highly regarded mm-hmm. out of high school and maybe he'll, you know, he'll be the guy. Um, from what I saw of Drew Pine, he's not that type, but can he be a steady game manager type if you can run the ball, if you can, you know, play good defense? Now, I don't know if we have the pieces to do that, but we'll see. Um, you know, I yeah, I think it's just a, a better group, and I, we got a little bit of our, I know last week I said, you know, our three young guys, are they all still here? Well, Finn Collins is the first of the three to leave. He might not be the last, I guess, but... Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's a it's a total makeover in some ways. I mean, Jones is out, Tyson is out, Collins is out, Conover's in, 
uh, Pine is in, and you know, much like the entire roster, it feels like it's a you know complete rebuild from square one, which I'm okay with. Oh yeah, yeah, I think you have to be. You went three and nine. You had a complete yeah. overhaul of your coaching staff. Your offense was a run first slash run exclusive with a running back who's gone and a number two right. back who's gone. So right, right, yeah. So you know, I, I mean, when we had all the defensive linemen in the portal, and I know two of them have since said they're staying, and like that's a little upsetting, you know, when you hear like, oh, you're losing all these guys, but. At the same time, and I said this to you in text, like when you're when you're three and nine, uh, I'm not gonna like wring my hands about anybody. Uh, you know, like nobody on this roster last year was so important that we've just we've got to keep them. You want to keep some, and it appears we have. Um, but you know, you you really you got to be willing to start over completely. And with all the transfers he's added, that is certainly what we're doing. Yeah, well, and that's one thing that you and I have talked about before which is there's no spot that's not a com- competitive spot like no, no definitely not no one is a in pen locked <laughs> in guy right now not a chance i don't think anybody i mean i can't think of a soul i guess maybe jalen conyers based on what he did the second half of the year um is is you know if you ask me right now who are you most confident will be, you know, a starter at his position? I'd probably say him. You might say Elijah Badger, but he's a bit of a head case that I don't know if we can completely rely on him. Um, he was good this year, but, I, you know, like, would it shock me if he ended up leaving or, you know, having having problems with the new staff or something like that? No, it wouldn't. And defensively, I can't think of a soul that I'm like, oh, yeah, they're absolutely – you know, pencil them in to be a starter. Not, no, not yet. No, it's Carter Brown, I think. Yeah, I suppose the kicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it's true. his job. The, yeah, the probably. He was pretty good. Yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, there's not many. And, you know, it's going to make it an interesting spring and, and preseason camp. And, you know, I imagine when we're, when we're doing our, you know, look ahead uh, next August there'd be a lot of names that we're talking about then that right now we don't know anything about and probably don't even know is on the roster, but you know, we'll, we'll get to know them as the, as the off season unfolds and certainly as the season unfolds. And you know, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot like basketball the last couple of years where it's like, wow, you got to relearn the roster because there's not a lot you can say, well, but this position we have pretty good. Like it's a, it's a total fresh start. Oh, absolutely. Which is okay. Again, I'm I'm not unhappy about that. Um, you know, it was just the it was the way it had to be. So, you know, all in all, yeah, I think he he hit the ground running. Um, you know, like uh, you, you say it, and it's like, well, we got to really hit that transfer portal. My God, he he didn't just say it. He he uh, he acted on it, and and so will they all be hits? Of course not. But if there's 50% hit rate, then you got a team that hopefully can at least be competitive and maybe get to a bowl game next year. Yeah. I mean, I I think you have to, have to, have to give him credit for the job he's done in the first few weeks. But something you and I have talked about, that there's so much room to improve. I still don't think your expectations can be any more than, well, I'd be really great if this team went 6-6, six 7-5. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
it, you know, it's it's going to be. Uh, I don't think it has to be a you know a five year rebuild. Not in college football now with the rule changes and all that. But it is important to keep in mind it's not a one year rebuild either. Like you know, if it if if he surprises us and you know next October we're we're six and one and it's like whoa, this guy really rebuilt this roster quickly. Hey, I'll be happy to be wrong. But yeah, I I agree completely. I mean you you know you have a somewhat favorable schedule with eight home games. Um, so you hope you can take advantage of that. But the eight home games aren't easy. I mean, two you know two of the non conference games are Oklahoma State, Fresno State. Those are both. You know, Fresno State's a solid program. Oklahoma State is always pretty good. So those aren't cupcakes. And, you know, your conference schedule is just basically a flip of what you had this year. Um, I think for the most part, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. the North. I know it's not division-oriented, but still they're, they're still scheduling the same. <coughs> so, you know, not going to be easy. I think they go to Washington. Uh, USC comes here. You go to UCLA. Oregon comes here. I mean, so like, it, it, you know, eight home games sounds good, but there aren't a lot of easy wins on the schedule. It doesn't appear. Yeah. No, it's, um, it, it's not going to be easy, but that's, you know, I don't personally, I don't think that you're asking a ton, a ton at six and six. Now, look, if he goes five and seven, he goes five and seven. That's sure. Sure. It's not a disaster if he, you know, but I know six and six is never asking a ton. I don't believe, I mean, you know, like, can you, can you win a couple of non-conference games and go four and five in the conference? That's not asking you to be a great team. It's asking you to be an, an average team. Truly the definition of average. Yeah. Um, now we were far from it this year, but yeah, you know, all that said, a couple games could have gone the other way. You know, like we went three and nine, and we could have beaten Arizona, mm-hmm. and we could have beaten USC, and you know, we could have beaten Oregon State. Uh, you know, I mean, like probably uh, that's probably not a fair one. Oregon State beat us soundly, but Stanford certainly was a game we could have won. I mean, you know, like as bad as this team was, they weren't that far away from winning five or six games. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's you know. It, it, it the cupboard was pretty bare, and a lot of guys left. That being said, it's pretty easy to restock the cupboard. Uh, yes, it is much easier than it used to be. And, uh, you know, and that's the big thing. You know, I saw for whatever it's worth, and, and these don't always translate into a ton. Um, that the the thought process is, you know, we moved up to somewhere around the mid fifties in terms of recruiting class. We were outside the top 100 right, ago, right. but we moved somewhere into the mid fifties is the mid fifties good. No, but is the mid fifties a team that should be bowl eligible? Yeah. Cause at least, yeah. yeah. Make the bowl. yeah. And, so. it's, and it's certainly better than in the hundreds, you know? So no, it's not good enough. You don't, you know, I hope that in a year's time and two years time that we're not, you know, still in that area. Uh, but, but for this year, you just make the best of it, and and I think he absolutely did that. Like good staff hires, um, got some interesting high school commits. Certainly, you know, really aggressive in the transfer market. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, I said this when you know before we hired him, I said it through the season. Like, you know, the transfer rules changing allow you to rebuild so much quicker. If we if we were in the position we're in now 
coming off, you know, this season 10 years ago, you'd be looking at a, you know, man, it's going to be probably three, four years before we can really think about getting back to, you know, competitive at the, you know, competing for a conference title type team. Now you don't have to feel that way. Now, I mean, now you feel like if you hit right in the transfer market, you could get there in one or two years. Tough, but it's not impossible. Well, and the other thing is you've got, um, you know, the the young guys, Carrington and Samples, appear to have those connections. They landed right. a couple flips and a couple late signees from places they've recruited before. Right, uh, that, right. That is a, a fairly encouraging sign. I also, I don't know if you follow Carrington on Twitter, but he was giving like live feedback when guys signed about why oh, no, you should be excited yeah. about him. Like it was just, why should you be excited about this guy? Why should you be excited <laughs> about that guy? And, and as a fan, I was like, this is great. This is sure. Great. You know, sure. I mean, cause it's, kids you know, who I've never seen their film. I don't know anything about him. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, I, you know, I don't get into the social media stuff as much as some people do, but I also recognize that it, that it does matter. Uh, I may not want it to matter, but it does matter in this world. And it, and it sure feels like, you know, the head coach being, you know, active on there and and some assistance. But, you know, like that can't hurt. I know Antonio Pierce was and that did not ultimately work out that well. But, you know, like, it, I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to appeal to that world. It's not my world at all, but they're not trying to recruit, you know, 37 year old white guys uh they're trying to recruit you know 17 year olds who who live in that world they they don't even want 37 year old white guys on the coaching staff no they don't exactly you know you're too old So uh, yeah yeah pretty much you know (laughs) like so so but yeah there's a little side and i think we talked about this briefly but how weird is it to to think that we're now older than the asu coach that's a first we're older than the head coach and at least a couple of the assistants yeah yeah i mean it's crazy to think that like when we were in college, the now ASU head coach was, was what, like, you know, like when we were freshmen in college, he was in eighth grade? Yeah. Something like that? How crazy is that to think about? Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Uh, I mean, it's only going to be more like that as we get older, I realize, but still, like, to only be in our 30s and have to be like, yeah, college wasn't that long ago, and yet when we were in college, uh, this guy was, was, you know, just starting high school, like, wow, okay, man, but hey. I'm I'm all in for it, man. I'm I'm very excited. I'm I'm uh, you know I don't know. I'm, I'm anxious when the schedule comes out. Apparently, it's going to be January before the schedule comes out. But you know, I I plan to I plan to buy tickets for not the seat. I'm not going to do season tickets because I can't go to every game. But, but you know, like the mini pack, that? the mini plan. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I think. I mean, you know, like you gotta you gotta put your money where your mouth is a little bit. And, and I, you know, I'm not a big money booster. I don't have, you know, uh, millions of dollars to donate to the NIL collectives, but you know, you, you also, as a fan, you can't expect greatness if you don't invest a little. So, you know, I'll buy some tickets. I'll go to, I'll go to two or three games as a fan and I'll put my money in the athletic department and, you know, you gotta, you gotta, like they hired the coach, the type of coach I wanted so I got to be willing to give back a little bit, and I'm I'm going to. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they, look, uh, one thing that I we said it about Iguano, but I will join that statement to extend to Dillingham. I have for the last now 
three months, gotten what I wanted from the head coach. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it was a tough. I mean, I think both of us experienced it this year. A a feeling of like somewhat apathy. I hate to use that word, but it was kind of true. Like it was a it was a tough year to really invest in. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it got worse before it got better. It got a little better at the end, but but you know after the Eastern Michigan game and those first few conference games after Herm, it was just it was like man, this is really tough to care about. And and that bothered me that I felt that way. And I I thought it was just a one year thing, and now I have to prove it that it is that it was just a one year thing because yeah they they hired the type of coach I wanted. The coach has been nothing but aggressive and enthusiastic about being the ASU coach. And so, I mean, look, does me buying tickets to two games make or break things? Of course not. But if we all have that attitude of like, well, but I can't help, then then see this is, you know, it becomes a, you know, nothing ever changes. So, you know, people give what they can. And if you're, you know, the guy with millions of dollars who stands up at the press conference and says, I'm giving a million dollars, like, Great. That's awesome. I don't happen to have that, but I do have hundreds of dollars and I could give some of that hundreds of dollars to ASU for a couple of games. And if enough of us do that, hopefully that, you know, it builds a fan base. Yeah. And look, I think what Dillingham has done is set reasonable, unreasonable expectations. And what I mean by that is I, I saw today that he said he wants 45,000 fans at the spring game. Okay. Like, that yeah. doesn't ha- there's no harm to that being the case. Like, <laughs> Shoot for the moon. Right. It, it, you're not going to get it. But, uh, but if you, know, you get but... 30 now be- when you would have gotten 10. Sure. Or you get sure. 20 now because when you would have gotten 10 and you sell, you know, 2,000 more season tickets. Yeah. That, that's the people enough. who are there. You know? For sure, for sure, yeah, yeah, and and you know it's not just money. I mean, for me, it, it kind of just starts with you know the attention. I mean, like really, this this past year, especially, I I felt like I wasn't I wasn't giving that much attention to ASU football. I mean, I I, I knew who we were playing, and I knew what the result was, and I watched if I could. Um, but you know, it was just like I just had a hard time investing in it, and so I've got to. I got to invest in it, you know, I got to get back on that train and both, you know, just emotionally and also a little bit financially. Again, my money's not going to keep the football program afloat or push us to a whole new level of, you know, contention, but you know, like you, you gotta, you gotta do something too. I can't be the fan who says, you know, well, I want this and I want this and I want us to be good. Oh, well, do you buy tickets? No. I get the you know cheapest tickets off StubHub, and you know, like, yeah, I've done that. I can't say I won't do it again. You know, at least for a game or two next year. But you know, maybe one or two or three games. Like, buy a buy a decent seat. You know, get a couple of tickets. Go with my dad. You know, or something like that. And and you know, invest in the program just a little bit because they're doing what I hope they would do. So now I got to do my part. Yeah. Well, and that I think is an important thing that you would hope that all of the fans take away, which is you don't have to do everything. No, no. But if you can do something. Exactly. Exactly. You know, most, most fans don't have millions of dollars to give to a NIL collective. 
if you do and you could give it and you want to support ASU that way, that's great. But, you know, most of us don't have that. Most of us, you know, we, we work for our money and that money goes to keeping our lights on and, and you know, keeping TV working and power and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. So we don't have a ton of disposable income. But what we do, you know, like, I'm, I mean, it's a good home schedule next year. Again, you know, Oklahoma State, Fresno State, USC, Oregon, Washington State, Arizona. You know, that's a, that's a solid home schedule. Colorado which has never been an attractive home opponent before, but is now mm-hmm. like that's seven pretty darn good opponents or interesting opponents for one reason or another. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully the attendance is good. Hopefully you keep people at the stands for more than a quarter or a half. Um, you know, like the UCLA game was good attendance, but by the second half it was three quarters empty. Um, it's not going to be easy, but I-, I love the guy's enthusiasm to try to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, now to pivot to a, a slightly downer note, um, ASU basketball still ranked because a new poll hasn't come out yet. <laughs> um, yeah, we got in. Yeah, yeah. And then we uh, we we appeared in San Francisco. Um, we were without one of the Cambridges, and we did nothing we allowed 50% from three uh we couldn't score we had two points for the first 10 minutes on it was an absolute housing yeah yeah Yeah, i mean it like we lost what was it 97 60 was the final and that probably is as good as it could have been in terms of a final score i mean it was 81 36 uh you know so we 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 won the last several minutes just to make the final score look a little bit better Mm mm-hmm so, not you know, good. You know, not sometimes good. when those things happen, you say like, oh, "I don't know if that was an accurate reflection of the game." It was accurate. It, oh, it was. You know. Yeah, it was a beatdown. Uh, you know, San Francisco. Uh, they're nine and four. I know they had lost to UT Arlington, which isn't great. You know, but they were a tournament team last year. They beat UNLV a couple weeks ago, about a week or so ago. UNLV was unbeaten, I think, going in. So I don't think San Francisco is a bad team. Losing it is not bad. Getting absolutely demolished is is what is a little bit harder to swallow. And we lost by ten. I I probably would have you know eh, okay. What are you gonna do? But yeah, getting housed in the way we did is concerning a little bit. Yeah. So it's uh, look, it, it, it's a uh, it's an opportunity to just flush it and move on. You got Arizona New Year's Eve. For sure, so for sure, and that's go. what you got to do. I mean, you know, you just, you know, it's you learn from it and you move on, and you have ten days, and you know, you have Christmas and probably you know a couple of days off there, I'm sure, and you know, and then yeah, it starts out right away with the top ten team coming into your place, and you know, if you can win it, be huge, huge understatement probably. Um, you just hope to, you know not have a second straight game like that and then it starts to spiral that's my concern now big picture 11 and 2 pleased you know i told you that last week you know i'd sign up for 11 and 2 on november 1st without hesitation yeah so i'm good with where we are but you know it's a little concerning you know like we talked about on sunday like oh boy this team seems like well they get down and they feel like they can Come back, it's like, well, you, you can't get down by, you know, 40-plus points in the second half and come back. 
Yeah. So hopefully just a one game aberration. Yeah. It's um I I don't know what to say. It it it's it's bad and It was not good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was not good. Uh but again, I think the hope at this point is that what you saw for the first twelve games where, you know, we were eleven and one with a one point overtime loss is is more the team you're gonna get the rest of the way than than that one game. Mm-hmm. And, and look, not it's not good, um, but there's a lot of season left, and sure. if you do damage in the conference, that's enough. Like, you yeah, can make the tournament yeah. with this with the two losses we have, you can still make the tournament comfortably. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think if you go, uh, I mean, if you go eleven and seven from here. Which would put you thirteen and seven in the conference, and what that'd be twenty two wins. Yeah, I think you're feeling pretty good about 20, your chances. Twenty two and nine. Yeah, and yeah, thirteen and seven in conference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that should be. I mean, obviously, I'd love to be better than that, but I, you know, I kind of feel like projecting out if we could go eleven and seven from from this point on, that that's probably good enough to make the tournament. Yeah. Better would be great because you know, as we've discussed, it'd be nice to like know we're going to make it, go into the conference tournament already secure and making it. That would be great. Um, Eleven and seven from here might not do that. Might put us on the bubble, but I think on the right side of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I talked about on Sunday defense travels and these things, and it was was one of those games where just everything went wrong, and and that's. You, it's it's hard to read much into it because of just how lopsided it was so quickly. You know? Exactly, exactly. And so that's why I'm at this point. I'm willing to chalk it up to just you know a, a, a rough night. You know, a, a, just one of those games that happens. You just don't play well. You get behind. You're on the road. It's four days before Christmas. You're probably a little bit. You know mentally not 100% there, um, you know, those aren't excuses, but they are probably reasons. Um, and so, I, I'm, you know, I'm not panicking by any means. Now, if the Arizona game goes the same way, panic meter starts to come into play a little bit. Like, whoa, what, what's going on here? If you're, you know, blown out a second straight game, even though Arizona's really good, yeah, you know, that you're would be a bad home. sign. You know. If that happens, you're at home. You you should be you should be better. Like that, you should and you should. Now it's not. I mean, I don't know what the crowd atmosphere is going to be like there because it's New Year's Eve. It's afternoon. Uh, you know, school's obviously not in session. But that you know, it's not a great draw to get that Arizona home game. I mean, it's just it's one of those things. It happens. Um, you know, sports fans in the city might migrate more to the Fiesta Bowl. I'm going to. I mean, you know, the Fiesta Bowl is at two. The Arizona game's at noon. You can't go to both. Um, mm. and, and so I, I don't know what it's going to, you know, be like. It could be taken over by U of A fans even more so than sometimes it's been in the past. But nonetheless, it's a home game. It's your conference. Well, not conference opener, but, you know, the, the start of full conference play. You should be able to give an inspired effort. I'm not expecting him to win the game. I'd love it if they did. But at the very least, you know, a, a, 
you know, let's not have another blowout. Let's not, you know, let that sort of become a snowball where you're thinking like, uh, what happened to the team from November and December? Yeah, exactly. You, what I would love to see is a good defensive game here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, just a better effort, a competitive effort, so that, you know, Arizona is, I mean, Arizona, UCLA, probably the two best teams in the conference. I think that's fair to presume at this point. So do we need to beat Arizona? No, again, I'd love to. It would be good if we could. It would be great, sure. I mean, for many reasons. First of all, just beating Arizona is nice. Um, But, you know, if we can beat the third best team in the conference, and I don't know if we can, I'm not saying we are, but if if we can be, you know, behind Arizona and UCLA, but ahead of everybody else, we're probably going to the tournament, and that'd be a pretty solid result from this season. Yeah, we're probably going to the tournament, and we're probably not sweating much on the bubble. Right, right. So... You know, we've, we've got two wins already in our pocket, which is nice. That's the, that's the benefit of this, you know, weird starting the conference season in early December and then taking four weeks off from conference play. We already got that 2-0 and cushion, and so, you know, you just let's, let's see where it goes from here. Let's see, you know, where January takes us, and hopefully it's not a redux of, you know, the last two times we've had really good November, December, and it's like kind of January was sputtering. Um, I know the next game is still technically December, but, uh, you know, like we've, we've been here before, oh, we're ranked and we were 11 and two or 11 and one. And it's kind of gone off the rails in January. So first challenge for old Bobby Hurley is let's not let that happen again. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so I think with that. We're going to wrap up our year. Uh, yep. But, hey, we're 388 episodes into this. That is an <laughs> That's insane right. amount of episodes to have done. It really is. It really is, yes. Um, you know, at one point, my wife suggested maybe she should start listening, which she had. <laughs> so, you know. She can go back to episode one? Like, you know, <laughs> like start from the maybe. beginning? Yeah, my dad was like, do you talk about anything besides sports? And the answer was, not really. He went Sometimes. Back and, he went Sometimes. back and listened to a very early Beverly Hills Cop. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, we, you know, we've done some movie ones or TV shows or, you know, but uh, hey, I mean, the name is the Ben and Matt Sportscast, so... Yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be one of those sports shows that it's like, Hey, why don't you guys ever talk sports? No, that's what we do. We yeah. talk sports. But look, we'll be back next year. We'll talk about yes. what happened in the semifinals. Um, yes. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll have to get finals. one in between the semifinals and the final there and, and look ahead to the championship game. Until then, happy holidays. Happy new year. He's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>